Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, March 3rd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. We're going to chat some conference tournaments here in college basketball. We'll take a look at the Big Ten for tonight and tomorrow as their regular season starts to wind down to a close. And we'll take a look at the UFC side of things here. UFC 259, three title fights coming up on Saturday. Preview coming your way this afternoon over at ATS.io. But some thoughts on that card here today on the podcast Over at ATS.io, the 2021 MLB betting guide has been posted. It is in individual article webpage form. There is a landing page. I suggest you bookmark that so you can read through all 30 team previews plus an assortment of player and team futures to check out in that betting guide. That's available over at ATS.io. Check out my timeline on Twitter at Skating Tripods. You'll get the link to that landing page. And also, I put the PDF with all 278 pages, I think it is, uh, in the Google Drive. So you could download the PDF from my Google Drive. Head over to Twitter, at Skating Tripods is my handle. Or you can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, to check out this year's guide. Also over at the website, picks, predictions for NASCAR, golf, UFC, college basketball, NBA, NHL, you name it, we got it over at the website for you to check out. And finally... Download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Full article integration from the website, a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, the opportunity to buy a premium model subscription. Very powerful tool to have in the palm of your hand, that ATS app, which you can download in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Kiev, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great, Adam. March Madness is upon us. I mean, how can we not be excited? Absolutely, man. And, you know, people think of March Madness as just being the NCAA tournament. But to me, I think once conference tournaments start, that's when March Madness starts. And I've mentioned this on the show before. And like I said, it's it's probably kind of a sacrilegious hot take here. But give me conference tournaments over the NCAA tournament as a whole, especially from a betting standpoint, where I think there's a lot more opportunities you get this bracket style format for the conference tournaments where you can make some futures investments. You can play some money line rollovers. You can do a variety of different things out there in the market. And of course you've got a frame of reference of games that these teams have previously played against each other, as opposed to all the non-conference stuff in the NCAA tournament, where I don't want to say that you're guessing, but you know, these teams don't really play each other. You've got the differences and the disparities between conferences I just think conference tournaments are a little bit easier from a betting standpoint. Oh, they are because I mean, it's, it's less haphazard. I mean, it, you have a lot, some samples here that uh, these teams played each other, just like you mentioned before, you know, uh, less, some teams only have to play two games to get to the final, you know, teams that start Friday. And uh, if they earn that double buy, we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, and if you see a big price on them, they're not a bad, uh, you know, team to take a look at. So uh, conference tournaments, March Madness starts in March for me. A lot of people say, well, this is not March Madness because it's not the NCAA tournament. Well, that's wrong because March is all about college basketball to me. And it's one of my favorite times of year. Something that's been a little bit frustrating here so far is that, you know, a lot of sports books either exceptionally slow to post conference tournament odds, or they just simply haven't altogether. And It's been a source of frustration for us here this week on the show. It was a big source of frustration on Monday with Kyle Hunter. We're starting to see some more pop up. We're kind of seeing some out there in the global markets 
not really as much at the U.S. facing sports books. Did get a chance to fire up the Circa app today and you know see what they kind of had from an odds standpoint. They had a couple posted that some other places out there in the market didn't have, like the Patriot League. Uh, the Ohio Valley has been tough to find for some reason, but Circa's had that posted as well. But a couple of conference tournaments that we wanted to talk about here on today's show, Kiev. We'll start with one that's actually underway already and underway right now as we're talking. And some books have pulled the odds down for this one because it has already started, but none of the teams playing today are of great significance or great uh, consequence here in this A-10 conference tournament where you've got a a pretty wide spread of teams here. We've got Mm -hmm. this conference tournament in Richmond. It will be played on Richmond's campus and also on VCU's campus, so not in Brooklyn as it usually is. The 11-14 and the 12-13 games going off today, but none of those teams really have much of a chance from a future standpoint. No, not definitely not. I mean, I do like the Atlantic 10 and what it's brought to us from a fan and a betting standpoint. Lots of transition in there. I mean, St. Louis with how hard they started, they had that COVID pause. Then they lose to like LaSalle, you know, Uh, they lose to Dayton twice. Dayton, you know, looking really poised right now. Uh, Obviously, you have VC. Virginia Commonwealth there, uh, the great team and, and really stepped it up towards the end. The Bonnies, I mean, you have a lot of good teams in this conference. And I think uh, this one's really up in the air. I mean, I would take this conference and I would say there's probably six teams here that are all really as good as each other. There's nobody that really blows my mind in this conference, Adam. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And as we look at one of the global books that still has odds up for this one, and and I'm not going to cite exactly what the global book is. I mean, we are a U.S.-facing website at ATS.io, so we're trying to keep an eye on those U.S. sports books, try to push those more than anything. But just to have something to talk about here as far as the A-10 odds go, seeing St. Louis at plus 230, Bonaventure plus 350, VCU plus 400. VCU will not play a road game. In this conference tournament, if they get to the final, their game in the in the quarterfinals is at home, and the semifinals and the finals, uh, or their semifinal game would be at home as well. Then the championship game would be a neutral site at UD Arena in Dayton. Uh, very strange format to this conference tournament. But Davidson plus four fifty, Richmond plus seven twenty five, Dayton thirteen fifty, Rhode Island is twenty to one. I think they're about the cutoff as the longest of the long shots to really have a chance here in this one, but. You know, an interesting conference because Bonaventure played 15 conference games. Rhode Island played 17. LaSalle played 17. And you've got St. Louis played 10. UMass played 10. George Washington only played eight. So you had some teams here in this conference that had these long COVID pauses, as you mentioned. And, you know, I think that when you sort of look at the overall framework of this conference, like you said, I think there are six teams that can win it. It won't surprise me if, you know, one does it over the other or something like that. So how do you approach that from a betting standpoint? Well, I, there's a couple of angles that you might want to look at. Now, for yeah, VCU is playing close to home here, right, Richmond? But um, is there fans there? I, I, I read there wasn't. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it's going to matter all that much either. I mean, this is conference tournament time. Uh, you know, if, if there's fans there and it's going to be mostly, yes, you definitely factor that in. But both of these teams uh, will be as nervous as each other whoever VCU is playing. So, you know, looking at it from a standpoint of what I mentioned before, 
the last team you mentioned in Dayton is one that really caught my eye. Now I've been betting Dayton the last month and a half or so, and it's been pretty good to me, especially as a dog. Dayton has performed very well as a dog, but here's the thing with Dayton. These kids know they got screwed last year and it could be for good reasons because of COVID just came. We didn't know what to do about it and all that, but they had Obi Toppin. They were the favorite to win this by far. Not only that, they were looking at a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I have to think that these kids have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. But if you look at their strength of schedule, I mean, obviously, the, it's equal to everybody else in this conference. They didn't really play much of a non-conference here. Dayton has lost to some bad teams, but they've beaten the best teams in this conference, too. They beat St. Louis. Their last game, they just beat St. Bonaventure. Heck, they beat St. Louis twice. They beat Rhode Island once. That second Rhode Island loss was overtime. I watched that game. I disagree with a lot of the calls that went. But either way, Dayton at 13.5 to 1, I think, is worth a look here. And I'm going to play it for a little bit just because uh, of that motivational angle and just the fact that they're the best price of those top five or six teams that we mentioned. And I think Dayton's a very well-coached team, too. You know, I know that obviously they had the talent and they had a great player in Obi Toppin, but I think Anthony Grant's done a really, really good job here under some challenging circumstances where, you know, this is a team that had a lot of success at that mid-major level. And of course, you know, wound up in a situation where they lost Archie Miller. And Grant came in at a time where they were losing a lot of talent from that 2017 team, had a rebuilding year. And after that, They've been very, very strong. So this is a well-coached team, a strong pipeline there with Dayton. And also something else here too, and I don't know if a money line rollover may be a better option than the plus 1350. We'd have to go through and kind of do some of those gory math details to figure it out. But if Dayton does make it to the championship game, they're back at home. And, you know, in Ohio now, I think it's 25% capacity indoors. Dayton could very well have a crowd advantage in that game if the conference allows them to have fans. So that would be something that would be pretty interesting in that spot too. And something else that I would circle here is that assuming Dayton beats Rhode Island on Thursday, and that should be a pretty competitive game, Dayton and VCU absolutely hate each other. I mean, this is a blood rivalry in the Atlantic 10. So that's a game where Dayton, you know, both teams will be sufficiently motivated, but for Dayton, they will have already played a game. Yeah, it's a back-to-back. Teams are kind of more used to that here this season. But Dayton will have gotten those nerves out. And now it's just about their hatred of VCU. For VCU, you hate your opponent, but also you got some of those jitters. You know, you're playing on your home floor. This is your big chance, all of that. I think you can make a a compelling case for Dayton here, and, and the price is certainly nice as well. Oh, absolutely. The motivation about going home to play in the finals, you know, very big spot for them as well. And I think you just gave out first half Dayton there. If they get there far against VCU, obviously the nerves are gone. They could start out this game a lot better. Yeah. That's an excellent point too. You know, think about derivative betting and and some of the opportunities that are out there. And, you know, we see it a lot in conference tournaments too, where, you know, some lower seeded team will play a big first half, hang in there, maybe have the lead or play close, something like that. And then in the second half of the game, the better team just takes over. So that'll be a factor. Also, teams playing three games in three days, they might just kind of hit a wall at the end, something like that. I know we talked about second half betting on a show uh, last week and then also two weeks ago. I think conference tournaments are a good opportunity to do that as well. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. You know, try to set yourself up, uh, you know, for a hedge if you need it. 
uh, doubling up is always fun as well. You know, just uh, you can always go for half, you know, you know, just if, if this is fun for you or if you're trying to make money, you know, try to take it strategically and uh, hedge and, you know, it, you have a lot better day losing less if, uh, you know, it sets up that way. You know, there's tons of teams in this in this tournament that will be making huge comebacks in the second half. We don't know who they are, but we just saw it happen to LSU. LSU was winning their game on Saturday. <laughs> they ended up getting beat by like 16 points. They're winning by five and a half, and they were five and a half point dogs. So just remember, it can happen. And uh, you know, money line rollover. When I when I gave this out to members, I said, I think this one's up to you. I mean, plus 13.50, 13.5 to one is not bad. But in this situation, you're going to get a nice money line rollover on Dayton because it doesn't matter if an upset happens on the other side of the bracket because there's still going to be quality teams. Now, the problem with money line rollovers is if that big team loses, maybe the plus money you could have got would have been better. I mean, imagine if Liberty loses, right? Uh, and Lipscomb at their plus 800 or whatever they are would probably be worse of a money line rollover if that happens and they don't face them in the championship game. So that's one thing you kind of consider. Now, is it, is it most likely to happen? No, it's not. But that's how you kind of value your risk and your price. Look at that situation. And number two, you have to make that bet every morning. You can't, it, it, I've, see, I've seen it happen. And this has happened to myself in the past where I was doing a money line roll, rollover, mechanical parlay, you can call it whatever you want. And then I was like, I don't like this price. I'm going to wait till the public jumps in. And you completely forget to make your bet. That's happened too. Just at least when you take the, uh, you know, the future on one, you can still hedge it out later. So you got to weigh it. But in most cases, the money line rollover will pay more in most cases. All right, so let's talk about the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament here. And, and this is one that, again, we don't have odds for. And in fact, I don't see anything uh, at the global markets for this one either. But or actually, I do. I do see one place that does have these up. And Loyola Chicago, minus 175 favorite. Drake, plus 190. I think it's understandable to kind of hold this one back a little bit because Drake, with some massive injury concerns, and they are the number two seed here in this conference tournament. Loyola, of course, the number one. They're already in the NCAA tournament. They do not have to win Arch Madness. Maybe they have to avoid getting beaten in the first game, but I don't even know if that's a factor. Just seems like they're going to be in the field safely no matter what. But if they don't win this, then there will be a bid stealer out there. So Loyola is the odds-on favorite, minus 175. Drake, 190. Missouri State, 6-1. to Indiana State, 12-1. to Bradley, 33-1. to not really seeing too many teams beyond that that have a good chance. Bradley is the eight seed. They'd have to win four games in four days, but that's a team that had major injury and COVID issues. They're better than their six and 12 record in conference play would suggest. What is it about the Missouri Valley conference tournament that you're looking at specifically here, Kiev? Well, there's a, there's a couple big things that happened coming into these tournaments. And it's something you always got to question yourself. Who's the hot team? And is the hot team before the best team cold right now? Well, there's two big things that happened to uh, not Loyola, but th that happened to Drake. They lost two guys, two of their main guys, their best players. One was on February 10th and he's out at least a month. So I'd be shocked if he comes in and plays in this tournament. And uh, I, for I forgot his name, but I, it'll come. 
Yes, Hemp Hill. Exactly. Hemp Hill. And Penn, I mean, him, he just got hurt a game or two ago, and he's out as well. You know, they're best players here. So Drake's going to come in, and the books are going to stupidly still open them up as a favorite, whoever they're playing that first day. But in my opinion, Drake is seriously injured and (laughs) could be on the outs here of not only this tournament, but the NCAA tournament. You know, you look at uh, Loyola, right? Loyola, top 10 on Ken Palm. Well, you know, I mean, are they really top 10? I don't know. They did, they faced Wisconsin. Wisconsin handled them pretty good. We're finding out that Wisconsin's not that good anymore. And if you look at what they've been doing lately, I mean, they did lose to Drake, and then they win by two points to uh, to Valpo. Ugh, that wasn't a good look either. You know, they, they have not exactly been playing well at all. So, in my opinion, you could take a shot at one of these teams maybe on the other side of the Loyola, you know, maybe you take a look at Northern Iowa at 40 to one. The thing about Northern Iowa is they, they're coming into the season as favorites and they lost green right away after like three games and they were bad and it looks like they mailed it in, but these last three games or so uh, they've been kind of playing their asses off. And I like that. I, I like a team like that. Maybe you take a money line rollover on like a Missouri state, you know, because uh, their, their way of, getting there is a lot easier now that uh, they're playing Drake, you know, now that they're on that side. So Northern Iowa, 40 to one, I might take a small shot on them maybe for a half a unit or something like that. And uh, maybe I'll also do another money line rollover on some of those other teams. But uh, right now Drake is looking bad and Loyola is in their cold streak. Yeah. And this is one of those two where, you know, you look at this and, and we've got what appears to be a week two seed with Drake and, and it'd be great to see a fully healthy Drake team and see kind of what they do in this tournament, but we're not going to get that. And this is an important part of talking about conference tournament futures handicapping is you look for weaknesses in the bracket, and then you look to exploit those weaknesses. Drake is a weakness right now. You know, the guys that are still there are decent players, but their ceiling is much lower without Penn and without Hemphill if he's not able to go here in this conference tournament. So you do look at a team like a Northern Iowa. You do look at a team like a Missouri State. And the cool thing is, if Northern Iowa knocks off Drake in the quarterfinals, and again, Northern Iowa will have already played a game, and sometimes that can be a little bit of a positive for teams here, you free roll into the semifinals with Northern Iowa against Missouri State, and you free roll one of those teams into the final, probably against Loyola. So if you can attack a week number two, and you can take kind of a two-prong approach there with some decent futures prices, it's a good opportunity to make some money in these conference tournaments. And, and again, it's one of those things I think that separates conference tournaments from the NCAA tournament. Why I like them more from a handicapping standpoint is that you've got options to attack these smaller brackets like this. And I think the Missouri Valley is one that sets up really nicely here. And look, it is entirely possible that Drake, you know, holds serve as the higher seed. I mean, maybe they do kind of rally around each other and, and figure some things out without their top two players but I think it's a chance you're willing to take here. Absolutely. With their two best uh, players out. One thing I will say about Missouri state at plus 600, that's not a good price. And I would do the money line rollover for them because you have to assume that Loyola is still going to be on the other side of that, even though they're cold, that's your chance. Maybe you get a hedge at half when you, when you, when you get to play Loyola, you know, uh, but the payout would be really big. And sometimes the risk is, uh, the, you know, the money outweighs the risk here, right? And that's just positive EV. We talk about positive EV all the time. 
you know so in my opinion uh plus 600 is terrible because you're probably laying plus i I would say minus 500 there i think they're gonna be a 10 point favorite over missouri state right so do the money line rollover you know you're gonna get plus 700 plus 800 just in that loyola game anyways yeah, no, I agree. I think that's definitely the way to look at it there. Uh, we still have some regular season college basketball going on here. I know we've done a lot of focusing on the conference tournaments, but the major conferences finishing up the regular seasons here, they'll start their conference tournaments next week. We'll have a massive show uh, for Monday with Kyle Hunter talking about a lot of those conference tournaments for next week. But the Big Ten, one of those leagues that's wrapping up the regular season here, I believe there are games on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, I want to say, in the Big Ten here. We'll take a look at tonight's two and then also a look at some of tomorrow's action real quickly here with Kiev. We start with Minnesota on the road at Penn State, and, you know, I, I maybe this is just a keep-it-simple stupid handicap, but Minnesota's on the road, so we kind of know what that means. <laughs> they're on the road, and they're still desperate. <laughs> and they're playing Penn State now. I mean, where's the stop here? <laughs> they couldn't win at Nebraska. Man, I think they they just dropped one to Northwestern at home. Uh, Minnesota's went from a, a good home team to a bad road team uh, to a bad home team and a bad road team because of a lot of their injuries. I mean, Robbins has been out, right? Gabe Kulsher's been out. Two starters there. I mean, Marcus Carr is literally trying to carry this team. I mean, there's a couple other guys that are playing okay, but ugh. I mean, they're so cold right now. And Penn State, I mean, look at them. I mean, do you really want to bet Penn State as a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the Big Ten? Oh, my God. I don't even know what they're going to do with themselves as a favorite here. Uh, they can't really help their seed. They're out of the big. They're out of the NCAA tournament unless, obviously, hell freezes over and they would win the Big Ten tournament. But it is senior day at Penn State. You know, and some teams will step it up. I mean, John Harar is a senior. Jamari Wheeler is a senior. So I can definitely see them putting some more effort here. This one, I've kind of been watching the line today. I didn't bet it. I do have a lean to Penn State here for obviously Minnesota's road struggles and just their struggles in general. But Minnesota's pretty desperate too. And uh, now, I mean, they're playing a team that's could definitely drop to a, a game to anybody in Penn State. So I haven't bet it, but I, I'm going to stick with a lean to Penn State at the minus four and a half. If it drops more, for whatever reason, maybe I'll tack it, but I don't see it dropping. Yeah, I think it's tough because Minnesota, I mean, you know, at this point in time, it sort of feels like their road struggles are baked into the number, but then also they have injuries that, you know, a lot of those projection sites out there with the projected spreads, they're not really accounting for the fact that those injuries have kind of happened late in the season here. So a uh, tough game, tough handicap, and we can move on from that one and take a look at tonight's late game between Maryland and Northwestern here. And, Maryland laying a little bit of a road price here for the number on this game total for this one in the 131 and a half range. Any stronger opinions on this one, Kiev? Uh, you know, it's really funny. And and just real quick, I'll get into this one. Minnesota, they're the like the only team that's beaten Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, and Purdue. You know, four of the top five type big 10 teams. So it's just amazing what happened to this program. And I just, it, it just keeps bugging me uh, on, on how good they looked at home during those games. It's, you know, these kids have it in them. 
I mean, are they going to show at this game? Oh man, it's just such an interesting handicap. And and I just also want to say, is that desperation part of it also factored into the line? You know, the line should be just four and a half, just based upon the injuries. Now, if you look at how bad they were on the road, it should be six, but then people are also factoring in that they're very desperate. So that's why I think it's four and a half. So sorry to detract from this game, but I just wanted to mention that uh, Maryland versus Northwestern. It's it's senior day in Northwestern, Adam. Do you, do, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you factor in senior day part of your handicap? As a general rule, yes. This year, I'm not so sure because – you know, you, you may, and I don't think at Northwestern, I mean, being, you know, in that, in, in Illinois, where they've been very strict about COVID for the most part, I don't know if it's friends and family. I don't know if anybody's actually there at the games, but you know, it's different when you get the big ceremony and, you know, the student section hoots and hollers for these guys and, you know, gets excited and all of that this year though, kind of without the fanfare, I don't know if it's anything that I really put too much into. So not really for me, at least not this year. But one thing that I will put some stock into here is that Northwestern finally won a Big Ten game. They had lost 13 in a row before knocking off Minnesota in their last game. I don't know how they respond to this one. I mean, how do they respond to their newfound prosperity of, you know, finally beating a conference team? Oh, I know, right? And uh, you wonder if that would signal a letdown. That didn't happen in Nebraska, though. You know, they they had that big win against Minnesota. Then what happens? They blow the doors off Rutgers. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's something to think about if there's a letdown. But why the hell would they let down here? I don't know. It's What else do they have to do? You know, that's, that's an opinion I might want to fade almost in this circumstance. You know, what does Maryland have to gain here, Adam? I mean, I don't think they improved their seed. I think they're playing Thursday no matter what in the Big Ten tournament, right? I mean, they're on a, they're on a great five-game winning streak. But look at the teams they beat. Nebraska twice, Minnesota, and Michigan State. <laughs> you know, I think Rutgers was in there too. And Rutgers is not exactly in the top half of the Big Ten, in my opinion. I think they're kind of middle-bottom. But either way, uh, Maryland, they're, they're in a spot where I don't even know how much they should care for this. While Northwestern, it is senior day, and there's only one senior in Anthony Gaines. The rest of the team is younger. Maybe it's just that little extra kick, right? Maybe it is. Now, I'm watching this spread, and it was at four last night when I put these notes down. I think it's at five now, or four and a half now. That thing gets to five, five and a half. I'm going to be a player on Northwestern, Adam. You know, I do look, and and Maryland, over their last four games, they've really got things going offensively. You know, they they played a very slow tempo, and they've, they've really slowed things down here of late as well. But you know, offensively, they're kind of finding their stride a little bit. And I think this is a big game for them in the sense that it is on the road. You know, they've found their stride offensively playing a good number of home games here in the second half of February. Now they go on the road. And Maryland is a team, you know, under Mark Turgeon that has had some home road splits in the past. So I guess it's an important game for them to kind of see where they are offensively, you know, heading to that neutral site uh, for the conference tournament. So I think Maryland is invested, is engaged here, but with the fact that Maryland has rattled off five in a row, this line probably is a little bit higher than it should be. So not sure I'm going to have a position on this one, but I do think both of the games tonight, at least good talking points in a handicap, but maybe not good money-making opportunities. Well, let me ask you this, Adam, too. Would Penn State be a look-ahead back home to Maryland because they lost to Penn State? 
I, I, I wonder that, you know, that's always something that's like they're a crappy team, but they lost to them. They're probably, they probably want to pulverize them their last game at home, which is probably going to be their senior day. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's another angle why I kind of look a little bit more at Northwestern. No, fair enough. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. I don't know if there are too many look ahead spots, you know, when you're not talking about playing the premier elite teams in the big 10 and we got a couple of elite teams in action here on Thursday night. The first one is Michigan. They're on ESPN to take on Michigan state and, you know, Sparty playing better here of late. Aaron Henry has been really, really good for them. They're kind of trying to get themselves into a play in situation or something. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but you know, they are kind of putting together this late season surge, beating some pretty decent teams. They get Michigan here on Thursday night and the Wolverines, you know, look, Eric Haslam from Haslam Metrics, even off of that bad performance against Illinois a couple days ago, saying that Michigan has closed the gap with overall number one Gonzaga in terms of what a projected line would be. So what do you think about this one here between these two teams? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, Eric's a great guy. We had him on last week and and he, I love his site and I love what it brings to uh, everybody from a new perspective, you know, it's not like Ken Palm. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, yeah. I agree that Michigan has kind of jumped Baylor in a way. I I'm not sure I'd still put them up with Gonzaga, but I mean, looking at this line, what I put it at minus 14, 139 is probably what it's going to come out as. Is that what you have? Yeah, it sounds about right. It sucks that they got their butts kicked by a, a Io Sumu less Illinois team, you know, Maybe they took them too lightly without IO. I don't know. I was at baseball practice for my son while this half of this game was playing. So I came back for the second half when the game was already over. So I was a little bit upset that I didn't record it and just see exactly what happened. But, um, you know, I, I do know Illinois is just me, me and you have been talking about these are the two best teams in the Big Ten. Well, I still don't put Illinois over Michigan. I just thought it was a big, they probably had a bad game, you know. And that happens, but it's a it, it sucks for betting this because I would have wanted to bet Michigan State. I still might, but it's a rivalry game, and, and Michigan State has everything to gain here. I mean, they are kind of out of the tournament here. I know they've they've been on a nice little streak here. Four of their last five games they've won, but this team, I mean, if they could beat Michigan two games, oh my god, I'd be really hard pressed to keep uh, uh, Michigan State out of this tournament because they have the Duke win too, and. And Duke's been a little bit better. So, oh man, uh, I, I will probably, I'm going to lean to Michigan State right now uh, for the motivational spark. But at the same time, Michigan will not be afraid to beat their rival, their in-state rival by a lot. They will have no problem if they can, if they're hitting and Michigan State's not uh, winning by 20 to 30 points and keep the pressure on. You know, they, they probably want to make a statement after that Illinois loss too. So that situation kind of sucked for betting this game. But what I think I will be betting, Adam, at 139 is the over. You know, Sparty's been fouling a lot because of their desperation. They're playing bigger guys down low. You know, Davis and Hunter Dickinson is going to be battling out with some of the big guys down there. Uh, Marcus Bingham, you know. I mean, there's some big guys down there. Brown, Gabe, he, he's really good. And, and I think Izzo, when he beat Illinois, put his big guys out there and said, stop coffee, just do whatever he can 
And it really kind of took the, a, a little time for the officiating to catch up to that, but they eventually fouled out, but they won the game. They made a statement. They played tough basketball. They said, you were not getting a shot up without getting hit. They do that to Michigan and it's flowing. Okay. And they're hitting some shots. They're going to cover this spread. But what I also like is the amount of fouls taking this game over and the amount of free throws. So I'll probably be playing the over. I have Michigan winning 78 to 64 in general, but I think the over might be a better play. Well, we have seen some pretty whistle happy uh, end game scenarios here in the big 10 this season. So that's certainly a possibility. And Look, I mean, this is going to be a, a pretty big number here. I mean, I'm seeing the, you know, the sites like Torvik have this one in the 13 range. So it's going to be a big number. But I will say this. I kind of like it, not because I'm an Ohio State fan, but I kind of like Michigan getting their asses kicked in that game because it brings them back to reality a little bit. You know, I think some of those humbling games here at this time of the year aren't bad. And I think the best coaches that are out there and we don't know how great of a coach Juwan Howard is yet. He could be very, very good. But I think the best coaches out there get their teams to sort of refocus after a performance like that. So if it was a one-off and nothing lingers here for Michigan, it doesn't change my opinion of them at all whatsoever. If they developed some bad habits out of that game and we kind of see that moving forward, that's something that would concern me. So not going to bet this game tomorrow night, but I will be watching it to see if Michigan – does smooth out those rough edges, does bounce back. And of course, then maybe that gives us an opportunity to play something here coming up this weekend. The other game yeah. on Thursday. And, ima- and, ima- and imagine if, you know, Michigan coming in cold to the Big Ten tournament, you know. Uh, I mean, imagine if these are two bad games for them. Maybe they split and only win one of them by a small amount. That's going to be really interesting, some of those Big Ten odds. No, absolutely. That's That's a really great point to make there. All right, so one other game to talk about here, and this one on Thursday night, it looks like another uh, big favorite opportunity, Nebraska and Iowa. And Iowa, of course, you know, the, the big talk about the Hawkeyes is that they've fixed themselves defensively. They've played a lot of good defense here, except for that Michigan game where they got blown out, gave up almost 1.18 points per possession. Other than that, they've really fixed the defense here in the month of February I kind of wonder here, Kiev, and and I want to get your thoughts on this. Maybe this is a sneaky little overplay in the sense that Iowa maybe doesn't have as much of an effort on the defensive side against a team like Nebraska, and they just kind of go up and down the floor, and this one winds up being a little higher scoring. So, and and good point. Uh, It could be a sneaky overplay if Nebraska's keeping up, and if that's the case, then you would – you know, obviously want to bet Nebraska. I mean, it's going to be a 17 point dog or something like that. Ridiculous. But my worry about the over is when does Iowa take their foot off the gas when this game is already over? You know, what if it's over with four minutes left and uh, Iowa decides to run the clock? I do agree with you. It's, it's really scary though, to bet this over when these two teams, they're, they're quietly improved their defense. Nebraska, I can't believe they rank 31st in the nation on Ken Palm right now at 92.4 adjusted efficiency, while uh, Iowa is now down to 58th at 95.3 adjusted efficiency. Now, uh, Iowa was past 100 a few weeks back, so that's a good improvement for them. Nebraska is the fastest playing team in the Big Ten, and it's by a, a good margin. Um, and, and they are playing good defense. But that could happen. The Baylor is the same type of team. They play fast and play play really good defense. But um, Iowa has slowed it down some, so I'd be very scared to bet that. Now, if you can find a team total on Iowa, 
Um, I think that's going to be your best bet. You know, I, I think that there's a chance that Iowa can win this game 85 to 60. And there's a chance that they can win this game 85 to 75, you know, something like that. It's kind of in the middle for me, but a team total on Iowa is, is, is a better look for me. Not all books offer it, but uh, you know, try to shop around a little bit. No, I think it makes sense. And of course, as always shopping around, definitely one of the most important things you can do out there, whether it's college basketball or any other sport that's out there. We got a little bit of a hard stop here in a few minutes. So want to make sure we get to UFC 259. Uh, Amanda Nunes here. I believe it's Nunes instead of Nunez. And again, I apologize for that. UFC, not my area of expertise at all whatsoever. But she's a massive, massive favorite here. It's Megan Anderson. I know I've got that name right. Nunes a minus 1250 favorite for this featherweight title fight. And, and the problem here with something like this, Kiev, is that, you know, really you're limited in terms of what you can bet here. I mean, it's hard to lay minus 1250. She's going to win in all likelihood, but this is even one of those where, you know, winning by stoppage is minus 345. So even that is a big number. Winning by decision, also a very big number here. So, you know, to me, I think it's just, it's very hard to even really put too much time, effort, or emphasis into a fight like that. Absolutely. Megan Anderson is fighting Amanda Nunez and Nunez is minus 1200, Adam. (laughs) I mean, what a price, right? Um, I've been betting Amanda Nunez since she was about plus 250 versus Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey back in 2016. And she's been my favorite fighter. Um, I wish I could have those numbers back at him. I mean, plus money on Amanda Nunez. Every fight she's had the last three or four fights, she's been minus 1000 or more. Okay. Um, I, I haven't seen a fighter match up well, even to Amanda Nunez since maybe Valentina Shevchenko, she was the closest fighter and she's lighter. She's smaller than Amanda to actually give Amanda some problems, but Shevchenko's beaten everybody else, everybody else except Nunez, right? These are the two best women fighters in the UFC. Megan Anderson's a nice fighter at 11, four, but her significant strikes per minute um, is is down compared to Nunez, 4.44 to 1.82. Her tank down average, 0.56 per 15 minutes to Nunez is 2.5. The price is way too high to bet Nunez, Adam. You could take a shot at Nunez by KO at plus 100. You can get it by submission at plus 200, or you can get Nunez by decision at plus 450. So I haven't decided on that angle yet. I'm looking a little bit more into that, but in my opinion, Megan Anderson, she's never been knocked out. She's got a strong jaw. Nunez in her past two fights has been more careful and more calculated. She cares more. She doesn't want to lose. She's not engaging and putting her chin out there. She went to decision her last two fights. If Megan is smart, she stays away from Nunez as much as possible. I mean, the price for under one and a half rounds is wrong in my opinion three of Nunez's last five fights went to three round decisions and those were uh i believe five uh five round fights so am i i like the over 1.5 rounds here and it's pretty close to even money so that's the best bet that i can give you right now this this you know Nunez is gonna be a little careful megan's not gonna jump right into it i'm liking the over 1.5 rounds Real quick here, I know you got to get back to uh, keeping an eye on the home improvements that are going on back there, and I know it's uh, 
it's definitely tricky to have a lot of things going on in the background to say the least. And uh, that's why I've got to actually pre-record today's show with or tomorrow's show with Brad Powers, because they're gonna be doing some work here uh, in my house, but real quickly here, cause I know you've got that hard stop the Jan and Sterling fight for the Bantamweight title. Uh, this one, you, you know, you've got a pretty interesting situation here as well, where you know, I think Sterling, maybe the guy everybody kind of expected to be the champion in this division. And this fight, what I like to call a money line pick them, both sides minus 110. So this looks like a highly competitive fight. Yeah. And I, oh, it's going to be a great fight. And Sterling, you know, he has that one knee to the head knockout. And I just watched it again this morning. And it just blows my mind how that happened. But, you know, with this fight, these two guys, I mean, they're small, right? Bantam weight, 135. Usually not a lot of knockouts happen in this fight. I mean, Peter Jan and Aliman Sterling are the best two fighters in this division. Uh, they are, and they're fighting each other. And that's what makes this such a great event. But in my opinion, I don't think either is going to knock each other out. You know, if you look at what these guys have done, lots of their fights have went to decision. You know, I think it's uh, even half of them for both fighters. So even though it's five rounds, I just can't see how either fighter is going to submit one another. They're both extremely wiry, extremely fast, very good uh, technical fighting. I'm going to take the plus 115 that it goes to the decision, Adam. This is just another scenario where I'm kind of looking at it. These fighters are so great that they're going to both last. Kiev O'Neill, who's working to find over at the odds breakers. Real quickly, man, tell everybody what you got going on over there. All right. Well, obviously, March Madness is upon us. We have a ton of free plays for you. Obviously, if you want to become a premium subscriber because you like our podcast, you'll get our plays when we make the plays, premium plays, not just the free ones. Next week, we're going to have shows early in the week covering the conference tournaments. It's going to be like that all March from March Madness and the uh, NCAA tournament. Same deal. We're going to be getting shows early. And uh, maybe I can get Adam on if he has some time for me. would be great. And Adam's, Adam's always has some of the best advice for everybody. Yeah, no, definitely. We can set that up here for the month of March. Definitely talk some Major League Baseball there on that. But uh, great show today with Kiev O'Neill again from the Odds Breakers. Follow him on Twitter at the Odds Breakers. And Kiev, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck to everyone this weekend. Here you go. There's Kiev O'Neill again at the Odds Breakers on Twitter, theoddsbreakers.com, the best place to find his work. As I said already, tomorrow we'll have Brad Powers on the show recording that here this afternoon. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.